0: Hello everyone, welcome to episode 61 of Manage the Wild. I'm Nick Madsen. Today we're going to be talking about aerial surveys, um, usually this time of year in our areas when they start uh, performing those surveys, uh, generally between December and January uh, for a variety of ungulates, um, elk, mule deer, pronghorn. And uh, one of the reasons why they do it right now is right before they start dropping their antlers, it's easier for uh, sex detection in that they can identify the bucks and the bulls a lot easier than they can if they were to wait till after. Now there's a couple of different surveys you can perform. An overall population survey can be done um, in the springtime. But again, generally you want to have a better identification of sex within that population. So they generally perform them now. Um, Wyoming generally does two uh, aerial flights uh, as well as most other most other states. Um, they perform those post hunt and post winter. And with post hunt, you kind of want to see how your herd has fared through the hunts As well as that summer, how is your population done? And then post-winter, as they're coming out of the winter, going through those hard times, you want to see what you've got going on left. Nevada, they uh, did a pretty good breakdown of generally when they they do their hunts. And for their post-hunt, their post-hunt flights are generally near the peak of the rut. Of whatever species they are flying for, it's not always easy for them to do because of migration and some of the areas that they are, they have seasonal constraints or whatnot. There's always going to be challenges, and then their spring flights. Um, basically, they're trying to understand overwinter fawn loss, and they're trying to look at how many fawns are being recruited to give them a better understanding of where they're going into that summer. They do two different types of surveys. They do what's called a directed search survey. So if there's an area that they're particularly concerned about, they will do what's called a directed search and where they identify the area and they will fly that area. Another one is a sample-based search. And this one is going to give you um, different samples across the map. You're going to fly different areas. And get a a good classification of the overall area by sampling different ones in the directed search um, they may suggest a number of let's classify 500 deer and when they go in and fly these they are just going to count to 500 once they hit that number they're done then they can go and average their bucks and does fawns and does When they do that sample-based survey, they will pick a handful of sites, whatever they think they can fly for that day, and they will pick random sampling points. And they are not trying to hit a number, they are just trying to count what is in those sample surveys, those areas. So the challenge that they face in these is what's called sightability to some is a is complicated issue, and it kind of was for me at first until uh, I applied for a biologist job, and we were talking about how you classify elk, and then they gave me um, a problem to solve in which I was supposed to talk about how well the elk population was doing, and uh, after it was over, I got everything correct except for I didn't mention sightability when we did our surveys. And um, afterwards, the biologist told me I failed that question because I didn't mention sightability. But sightability is mathematically determining, determining your ability to identify a group of animals. And there are going to be limitations. Um, one could be terrain. The other could be ground cover. Uh, let's say you have a lot of wind on that day or whatever it is it's taking all these different variants and putting them into a logistic model and calculating your statistical ability to identify a group of animals siteability in there's kind of about five key steps in determining siteability when you're calculating for siteability you're making sure that your area is geographically and demographically closed. So you're not having, as you fly an area, you're not having a bunch of animals fly in and fly out. So if you're counting geese using aerial surveys, you would want to do it at a time when they're not as mobile, so during their molt. And elk, you would want to make sure you are covering a larger amount to make sure you're getting all those animals because once you count them you're done counting and so you want to make sure that populations closed and you want to make sure the observed groups are independent of each other because if they're not independent it's still part of that group and you still need to count and you can only fly an area once you don't want to go fly it multiple times count multiple times because that will mess up your data because you're always going to get different information. And you may got to make sure that the survey you're using is specified because if you're doing a random sample of an area and then you have a biologist who says, Hey, I'm curious about this other area. Let's go fly it and see if any animals are moved in. You've now changed the parameters of your survey and so If you're going to do a directed survey, then that's what you need to do. Or if you're going to do a sample survey, sample-based survey, then stick to that one. And then just make sure you can count the probability of detecting an animal or groups of animals. So uh, if you're familiar with the elk and all your sightings before, you calculate that information. But in the state of Utah, if you're trying to determine or calculate the probability of observing a wolverine, there's very limited data, and so it will be more challenging to calculate. So when they're doing these surveys, and after these surveys are done, there's multiple statistical models that they're gonna run them through. Uh, They're gonna calculate their sightability, plug in their sightability, plus their numbers into these models, and they'll have, I don't know, five, six, Some places use up to 15 different models that they'll place this information in, and then they'll pick which model best fits their data. Because all models are wrong because of all the variables. You just don't know all the variables that are playing into this. And so while they're doing these uh, um, aerial surveys, they're just missing animals, or they're overcounting animals, or whatever it is. And so these models are up and down, and hopefully, you pick the very best one. A lot of people are wondering isn't um, flying super expensive? And it is. So, why would we use that versus another method? Why not pick um, drones or whatnot? And in um, Idaho, they uh, have laid out the reasons why they do it. There's two reasons: um, human safety and animal welfare is the pri- priorities during these. Um, because they they animal welfare, they're not harassing the wildlife. If they were to do them on the ground and get into the areas that they need to, they would be using machines and they would. Um, snow machines, snowmobiles, they would be pushing animals and putting a lot more stress than when they're flying with a helicopter. And so they're not uh, harassing these uh, animals at all. Timing of the flights is, is important for them as well. Um, you're obviously going to be going in December, January. And so some days you're going to have a lot of snow and bad weather and other days you're not. And so you can kind of pick your timing a little better than you would in other other areas. Um, Plus, uh, flying from a helicopter, you have better visibility. You're up above the ground, you're looking down on them. Some of the disadvantages is this is some of the most dangerous work that you could do. And because you're flying so low that if anything happens, oftentimes it's uh, major catastrophe. And, um, I know quite a few biologists, uh, who, uh, suffer from motion sickness. Uh, I heard a story of one biologist. He was throwing up so bad. They ended up just having to land the helicopter just because he was so sick. He couldn't do anything, couldn't do his job. And so, um, some people are motion sickness when I've ridden in helicopters before I, it wasn't, I, I was not affected. But uh, I've uh, got my private pilot's license and I've flown with people who get motion sickness quite easily. And then uh, sometimes uh, the mountainous terrain just makes it challenging um, to identify these animals just the way they are. People are saying, well, why not use drones? One of the challenges you have in using drones um, specifically is identifying... Uh, adults subadults, and fawns and calves I was asked to go out and classify an area and I was different I was a different person than the biologist who had done the previous classification so my classification um, the system that I was using was a little bit different and when I came back my numbers were way different than his So when he classified, he was generally classifying does and fawns that were no greater than 50 yards from the road. And me, I was trying to, because I wanted to do a good job, I was trying to classify as many animals as possible and I was doing some up to 200 yards away. And obviously my method was not as accurate because I came back with two to three times more fawns. When I went back and reclassified the area uh, using his technique of 50 yards, um, my numbers greatly decreased. But they still had to take my first count because that's the way surveys work. So there's a blip in the data and it was caused by me and the way I was just trying to do more than I should. So the challenge you got with drones is you just can't identify as the technology gets better and better. It's going to be easier to use drones and other things that are more cost effective, but it's currently not. You can, um, classify from the road, but you're obviously not going to get those animals that are hiding on the other side of the hill. Um, that, uh, away from a highway or urban areas. They're just going to be in those tough locations. And so that's why they use helicopters. All right, you guys, uh, if you have any questions, go ahead and let me know. Leave, leave some comments. Uh, if not, have a great day. Stay wild.